It is good to see you all again. Merry Christmas. We are going to be in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. You know, as Christians, we often talk about Christmas being the time when... Oh, does anybody need a Bible first? Mike is waving. Yes. Okay, Bibles, Bibles. Anybody else? You can raise your hand. Okay, while they're passing those out... Um, As Christians, we often talk of Jesus as the gift of God to mankind, right? That's kind of what we say during the Christmas season. Even my father-in-law, Mark Bethune, last night, as he was welcoming people, talked about Jesus being God's gift to us. Um, And I think it's important that we ask why. Uh, Like, what's the deal with a baby being born? And why in the world are you here this morning? On Christmas. Uh, I mean, babies are born every single day. I don't know if you knew that or not, but babies are born every single day. And uh, it's not like, you know, when my kids were born, I have three little kids. It's not like now you celebrate my kids' birthdays every year, right? That would just be weird. So what's with Jesus? What's the deal? What's the big deal with a baby being born? You know, the the difference with the birth of Jesus is that, and I I hope that this becomes clear this morning, it's, it's a decisive moment in history in God's plan of salvation. It's a decisive moment when we see God working in a way which has massive significance for you and for me. And it's this significance which I hope to unpack this morning, at least in part. Uh, And I want to do this through asking a question and then giving two answers, okay? So the question is, what gifts does God give for Christmas? What gifts does God give for Christmas? Now, the answers are going to come, but... Kids, if you're in fifth grade or younger, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Okay, one. Some of you are paying attention. Okay, yes. You are all in here this morning. Uh, so if you got, if if you took, there's a there should be a worksheet that you may have taken. Yes, and have already colored on. This is good. Now at, on that worksheet. There is this question, what gifts does God give for Christmas? And there are two answers. Kids, are you paying attention? Probably not. Two answers. If you can fill in both of those answers, and I'm sure your parents will help you, there are lollipops at the back for you at the end of service. Merry Christmas. They didn't have candy canes at Walmart, so you get lollipops. That's what happens when a guy goes... To Walmart on Christmas Eve. They're out of... <laughs> yes. There are lollipops for you in the back. If you get both of the answers right. So you need to pay attention. And your parents will help you. They need to pay attention too. So, what gifts does God give for Christmas? The first gift that God gives for Christmas is salvation. The first gift that he gives for Christmas is salvation. And this is going to be the longest point of my sermon. The second point is very short, so hang on for the ride. 
the first gift that God gives for Christmas is salvation. And so if you were with us last night, Stephen, Pastor Stephen said that today would be part two. So he did, he went through Matthew chapter one, verses one through 17, and he went through this genealogy or this family tree that Matthew lays out for his readers. And it, and this family tree, it traces the history of God's people, of the people of Israel, up to Jesus. And it shows how Jesus fits into God's plan of salvation. Now, if, if you know anything about the Old Testament, remember, and Stephen kind of touched on this last night, uh, God promised to King David, the greatest king that Israel ever had, he promised that he would establish an eternal kingdom through one of David's descendants. And even though God promised this to Israel, this, this would come about, the nation of Israel persisted in rebellion and sin and in disregard for God. And so they were exiled, which means they were kicked out of their land, they were dragged off to a foreign nation of Babylon, and the temple... The place where God dwelled among his people, the place where they worshipped God, was destroyed. This was devastating for the nation of Israel. The place where God dwelt among his people was destroyed. And yet we see, as we read the prophets of the Old Testament, that God never revoked his promise to David. He promised David, one of somebody from your lineage... Through him, I will establish an eternal kingdom, and he will sit on the throne forever. And so the nation of Israel waited. They waited for this Davidic heir to come. They waited for the Messiah. And now, what Matthew has shown us in chapter 1, verses 1 through 17, Matthew shows us that Jesus is a descendant of King David. And he's come to fulfill God's promises. He's come to bring an end to the exile of God's people. He's come to remove the separation between God and God and his people. And to establish this eternal kingdom. And so now as we move into our text this morning, Matthew starts fleshing this out. So we begin in Matthew chapter 1 verses 18 and 19. It says, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. So he's going to tell us how Jesus was born. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. So Matthew informs us Mary and Joseph, these two characters in the story, are engaged to be married. And in, and engagement in this day was a very serious thing, much more serious than today. I mean, today it's a serious thing, but much more serious back then. It was basically marriage without living together and without the consummation of the marriage. It was a big deal. Like, to call off the engagement was tantamount to getting a divorce. And now Joseph finds out that Mary is pregnant. And they have not consummated the marriage yet. And at this point in the story, he has no idea that this is the work of God. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. So naturally, 
Joseph is thinking that Mary conceived with somebody else. And this, this was highly scandalous. I mean, in our, in our society, this isn't too scandalous anymore. It used to be. But especially in this society. And so Joseph, wanting to remain pure and not be a scandal himself and marry an adulteress, but also being a just man and not wanting to publicly shame Mary and make her a spectacle, it says in verse 19 that he resolved to divorce her quietly. He didn't want to make a big deal out of this. And so our text continues, verse 20. But as he, Joseph, considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So Joseph is contemplating actually going through with this divorce. And an angel of God shows up. And he tells Joseph four highly important things that I want us to catch. He tells Joseph four things that are extremely important. One, he starts out, and he doesn't, the angel doesn't just say, Joseph. He says, Joseph, son of David. Interesting. Joseph is of royal lineage. Matthew showed us this in the preceding verses to our text. And basically for him, for Joseph, who is of the Davidic line, as a, of the royal lineage, for him to marry Mary, you get it, and adopt the baby that she was going to have, would mean that that baby, baby Jesus, would become also a royal son of David. You see it? Adoption in this day was just as good, just as valid as a natural birth. So if Joseph goes through with this adoption and and marries Mary and adopts baby Jesus, which is part of the package deal if he marries, Jesus becomes a royal son of David. Second, the angel says, that which is conceived in your womb is is of the Holy Spirit or from the Holy Spirit. So this baby in Mary is of divine origin. It's given by God. Number three, Mary is going to bear a son. So there's this son in her that's going to become a descendant of of David who is from God, but he's also going to be born as a human. You are going to bear a son. The baby's going to be born as a human into the world. And the last thing Joseph is commanded to name the baby Jesus, which transliterated means Yah saves or Yahweh saves. The covenant God of Israel. God saves because this is what this child is going to do. And so the question Matthew is raising in our mind is, well, is this baby going to save his people from their sins or is... Yahweh God going to save his people from their sins? And the answer, there's one answer. It's yes. 
This baby is Yahweh incarnate. He is God. And he is going to bring about an end to the people of God's exile. This baby is Yahweh come down in human flesh to save his people. And so to summarize, the angel tells Joseph four things. The baby is going to be a king from David's lineage. If Joseph listens to God's word and adopts Jesus, he will be born as a human, but he's also God himself coming to save his people from their sins. That is a packed message. And now Matthew, the author, lets us, the readers, know something very important. Keep reading in verses 22 to 23. So, Matt, so it's, it's like Matthew has the camera on and then it shifts to him, the narrator. Or it, he just hits pause and he starts talking. So Matthew says, hey, by the way, uh, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold... The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. This is a prophecy by Isaiah the prophet in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. And in Isaiah 14, 7, 14, a promise is given by God about a child who would be born called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And this is given in the context of a larger passage in Isaiah, which is, so so Isaiah 7, 14 is connected to Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, which Anna Spagnola read for us earlier. And Isaiah 9, 6, and 7 speaks of a child who would be born when God's people are restored from exile. So I'm going to read it again, but as as I read this, just listen to how this connects and maps on to what the angel told Joseph. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and of, and of peace there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. A child being born as a human, being given by God. He's also called mighty God. And he's going to reign on David's throne. He's going to establish, he's going to be reigning over an eternal kingdom. This child prophesied by Isaiah is Jesus. He is the long-awaited Messiah. He is the child who's going to come. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And, and here, here's the point. These ideas of the baby in Mary's womb being called Jesus meaning Yahweh saves, and then him also being associated with the name Emmanuel, meaning God with us, these two ideas aren't disconnected. When they're th- because they're being brought up in the context of the exile of God's people coming to an end. The point is, with the coming of Jesus into the world, God is going to save his people from their sins 
so that he might dwell with his people again forever in his eternal kingdom. That's what's in view here. I mean, this is a loaded text. But when we understand the background, that the, that the Christmas story is not just this isolated event, but it's deeply connected to all the promises of God in the Old Testament, this comes into view. To, to put it a different way, the birth of Jesus is the beginning of the end to the exile and separation of God's people from God. There is nothing that will separate God's people from God ever again. So you can look through the story of the Bible. You can go back all the way to the first humans, God's people in Genesis 1 and 2, who rebelled against God and they were exiled from the garden. And then God establishes his people, Israel, the nation of Israel, who rebel against him and they're exiled. But with the coming of Jesus, God being with us, being with those he saves, is a done deal. This is the last time, like, this is, this is, it's the beginning of the end of exile. Think about it. Here, Jesus is called Emmanuel, God with us. At the end of Matthew, what's the other bookend of Matthew's book? To his gospel. It's Jesus saying, hey, by the way, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go make disciples, and I will be with you until the end of the age. Now, Jesus wasn't a moron. Like, (laughs) newsflash. Like, he knew what he was talking about. Jesus was about to leave physically. But for some reason, he said to his disciples, I'm still going to be with you. Even though I'm leaving physically. Oh, and by the way, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. So we know that Jesus being born is God with us. Jesus leaving, God is still with us. He's given us his Holy Spirit. And we also know that one day Jesus will come back to his fully redeemed people and he will dwell with us and we will feast forever in his eternal kingdom with him. This is the beginning of the end to the separation of God's people from God. And it's the end of that separation because he has come to decisively deal with our sins. Does that make sense? And all of this, we, we know that there's more than just Matthew chapter 1. All of this is possible because ultimately Jesus was not just born to be God with us. He was born to die. Jesus was born to die. He was born to die on the cross in our place for our sins and then rise from the grave that we might be saved. That is how Yahweh saves. That is how Jesus fulfills his name. And so in this sense, that's why I say, what gifts does God give for Christmas? The first gift that God gives is salvation. In this sense. You know, and... I think that we often forget that this actually is God's heart and disposition towards us. Like he longs to be with his people. Like he actually wants to be with you. Other people might not want to be with you. God, like, God doesn't just love you, he likes you. He wants to be with you. And in this sense, you know, the birth of our Savior and Lord acts then. Like when we think of Christmas, 
the birth of Jesus actually acts as this rock on which you can stand as waves of doubt and fear about God's love come reeling towards you. Like the fact that God sent Jesus means he wants to be with you. He actually wants to spend eternity with you and, and a fully rede- he came to redeem you. The doctrine of the incarnation is, it, it's, it's also, it's not just a rock, it's like a sword, right? It's, it's like a sword with which you could combat the lies of Satan, which might claim that God is against you and he's not for you. It, like the gospel is, God sent his son to save you And if you believe that, you can trust that God wants to be with you. I think this also, though, points to another thing. The the incarnation of God's Son, Jesus coming and being born, Christmas, it also stands as a reminder of why we gather each week on the Lord's Day. Actually, it stands as a reason for why we chose to still have a main gathering of the chapel church on Christmas Day. Uh, When the church gathers, Jesus said in Matthew 18, 20, that where two or three are gathered together in my name, this is talking about church. This is not talking about a prayer meeting. This is talking about when God's people who have covenanted together, as we have at the chapel church, come together. What does Jesus say? There I am. In, the midst, in their midst. I'm there, in, I'm there with them. We gather, yes, for encouragement, yes, to edify one another, but we also gather because God in Christ has decided to be with his people when they gather together. So to put it another way, you want to meet with God? You should make Sunday mornings the main gathering a highly important thing in your life. Because this is a time when we as God's people come to meet with God as his word is preached, as his word is sung, as his word is on display next week as, we, as, a, as a baptism's happening. And maybe you're here today um, and you're here because going to Christmas Going to, going to Christmas, going to church on Christmas sounds like, well, I, don't, I guess I should do that. Or maybe you're here today with your parents, because you have to be, and you would rather not be here. You'd rather play with all your new gadgets and toys that you got this morning, or maybe that you're going to get if you didn't open presents yet. Uh, maybe you're here, and everything that I am saying about this Jesus and Yahweh saving his people is just like... I don't know what the heck he's talking about, but that is just weird. And you would not claim to be a Christian. I would just commend you to think about the true message of Christmas, that God in, God in Christ, in sending his son, desires to save you, and that your sins can be forgiven and you can have eternal security. So if you're interested about that, I would, just, I would love to talk to you after the service. Or find somebody sitting next to you, maybe somebody you came with. So what gifts does God give for Christmas? The first gift that he gives is salvation. But there's one more gift that he gives those people. And the second gift, kids, are you ready? Are you paying attention? The second gift is security. 
He gives security. Let's read verses 24 and 25. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Joseph did it. Like he went through with this. He went through with a scandalous idea publicly. Like, who's going to believe Mary and Joseph? Well, I mean, like, the Holy Spirit made this baby in me. Nobody in society is going to believe that. They're going to be a walking scandal. But Joseph chose to listen to God's words. And Jesus then is officially adopted by Joseph. He names him Jesus. This is communicating to us that he adopted him. And now Jesus is a part of David's royal lineage. In other words, God's plan is coming to fulfillment. It's happening right here. And this stands as a marker and demonstration of God's faithfulness in the midst of seemingly impossible circumstances. And it also stands as a marker and demonstration of God's trustworthiness over a long period of time to stay true to his promises. All those promises that we just talked about, they're actually happening now. They're coming to fruition. And so the reason that I say the second gift that God gives for Christmas is security is because this points to this gift. That God is faithful and trustworthy. This means for us as God's people that there is a deep, profound, stable, and lasting security that we have in God and in his promises. Right? Though our circumstances may make it hard for us to believe that God is actually with us, that what is claimed here about Jesus is actually true, that we may lose sight of the real hope that we have of dwelling with God forever in his eternal kingdom and all things being made right. If God, if God said that in his word, if God is saying that to us today through his word, those promises are sure. Christmas reminds us that we can take God's word to the bank with full assurance that the check that he's writing us is not going to bounce. Like, he, he can come through and pay what he's promised to pay. And Christmas is a reminder of that. If God sent his son to earth, will he not come back to finish what he began? That, that's the question that Christmas poses to you and me this morning. And so, the birth of our Lord should remind us that as his people, we're secure. So what's the deal with Christmas? What, like, what's, what's the big deal with a baby being born? Why is the birth of Jesus so significant? Why do we commemorate and celebrate it? We do all of that because it points to the gifts of salvation and security that God gives those people. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you and we praise you this morning for the gift of security, the gift of salvation that you've given us in Christ. And we praise you for that this Christmas day. Pray these things in your name. Amen.